Welcome to Steam Powered, where I have conversations with women in Steam to learn a little bit about what they do and who they are. I'm your host, Michelle Ong. My guest today is Dr. Stephanie Ryan. Stephanie is a children's book author, learning scientist, and educator who uses her skills and experience to develop educational content and is passionate about creating better ways to learn science. Join us as we talk about the learning sciences, education, and Stephanie's book, Let's Learn About Chemistry. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me today on Steam Part. It is amazing to have you on talking about all the cool stuff that you're working on at the moment. Thanks for having me. It's great. So we'll start with your journey. So you started in chemistry, but what drew you to that field? So my dad, when I was growing up, was an engineer, and he definitely steered both my sister and I into science. And um, I just remember school being this kind of easy thing that I memorized to get through. And I got my A-levels and I just moved through it. And it was a little boring um, until I hit chemistry. And chemistry was hard. I had homework. I didn't understand how to figure things out. And it was like this first time that I ever had to I hate to say this, this is so bad, but it's like the first time I ever really had to try it something. And it was so cool to be able to do an experiment to answer something. And I just really, really enjoyed that feeling. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah, just the, yeah, the thrill of being able to, you know, puzzle something out, right? Yeah. And to be able to explain something. So here's this thing that happened in front of me. Let's explain it. Like that just, it was so different than memorizing a fact. But in hindsight, a lot of science that I did learn was memorizing facts. And now as an adult, I'm going through and learning conceptually, (laughs) which is still even very different than that. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, it's all such a massive process about the way that we learn and all that, which is kind of, you know, part of your whole journey. So where did you see yourself like when you went to do chemistry at university? What did you see yourself doing with chemistry qualifications? I did what I imagine a lot of um, chemistry degree for freshmen going into college are. <laughs> that I thought medical school, um, that was at the top of my list. Um, and that nice. was largely because I've always wanted to help people. And I felt like that was a way I could do it with science. Um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it was, again, my dad kind of pushing. And so it wasn't even really something that I think my heart was really into. Um, and that's how I ended up more on the education side of things eventually. Um, I just, I didn't really like dissecting things as much as (laughs) some of my classmates. Um, I didn't like the sight of my own blood. I was like, maybe these aren't the things for me, you know? Um, and so I... Yeah, I was definitely thinking of medical school first. And then I was teaching. Um, In the U.S., we have federal work-study programs of where part of your school gets paid if you do work at the university. So you could Ah. work at the snack bar making sandwiches. You could work in the chemistry lab making up solutions for the classes, things like that. Um, And I was able to TA for one of mine. And I was the TA for a nursing level chemistry course. And the professor, she was really keen on making sure that it was more applicable to nurses than just the regular chemistry course. Yes. Um, Because she wanted to make sure that concentration was drilled into their heads because it's the most important person to know the concentration in chemistry is the person injecting your IV. Um, (laughs) So her and I, we, we would sit down and we would come up with new ways to teach content and I really liked it and she actually pulled me aside and she's like I noticed a sparkle in your eye and (laughs) for this and she was like have you ever thought about doing this I was like no it's not in my life plan um and so I was fortunate enough that I was at a small school where we could all sit down and talk about this Um, So I was able to sit down with the education department, my chemistry advisor, and we made it work. Um, I was able my junior year to switch gears um, and do both. So I kept going, pursuing in chemistry and in education. And then as what usually happens when you have a plan, something happens and goes (laughs) off. Um, So for the 
chemistry degree at my uh, I was at my college. Um, we yeah. had a program where you had to write a, a thesis, and mm -hmm. you could do that by conducting research, or you could do um, just like a literature review. And so what they yeah. encouraged us to do was to do summer research programs, and those are highly competitive. So not everybody got one, obviously, because mm -hmm. there just aren't enough in the U.S. to do that. Um, I was yeah. fortunate. I got one. And I found out I actually kind of liked doing research, too. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. Here we go. What am I going to do with this? So I, my senior year, I went into it with both. Um, and I applied to yeah. master's programs because I didn't really think I wanted a Ph.D., and yeah. I figured, you know what, I can figure this out later. <laughs> so I started the master's program and I was able to get a fellowship that really changed the, mm. the course of my trajectory. Um, it took graduate students and put us in K-12 classrooms. And Ooh. it was the whole goal was from the National Science Foundation. And they wanted to make sure that all of the scientists coming out of programs could speak to the public. And oh, nice. The, it was such an amazing program to have been able to come into. Um, and it, yeah. just, it really changed my I wouldn't say it changed how I explain things because I've always had the idea that I want to explain it to my mom who is not a scientist. And if she can't understand, yeah. I need to work on how I'm explaining it. Um, yes. If it's too jargon heavy, it's not going to fly. I need to be able to do it. So I've always yeah. had that mindset, but to be able to explain it to kids is even a whole nother level. Um, and definitely it was just so it was gratifying to see the difference you could make in kids and teachers' lives, like one-on-one -on -one explaining these things. And yes. I just decided, okay, I'm I'm done with the this research at the lab bench. I'm not <laughs> doing this anymore. Um, I'm good I'm gonna start studying people. And so Yeah. We started a learning sciences program at the university I was at at the time. And I was the first person to go through it. And I got to study oh, how people nice. learn chemistry. And I did qualitative yeah. research, which is my absolute favorite kind, uh, where I get to interview people and ask all sorts of questions yes. and truly understand what they think. So like mental models, like what what oh, is this misconception amazing. you have it, on paper? Like, can I draw it? What is this? Um, and so, so cool. It was so fun. Um, and then. That naturally led into uh, products, um, like doing assessments, um, curricular materials, and things like that. But I do still keep my toes in some of the academic stuff, but mostly I'm more in yeah. the, in the um, publishing side of things lately. <laughs> That's very cool. So, uh, yeah, definitely the interest in education and both like the you know, the applied side as well as the structure side for, you know, designing programs. So what, you know, what about learning sciences attracted you more than the, you know, applied teaching side? I'm not sure at the moment, <laughs> like at that moment, it was, it was kind of, at least in chemistry education. So every discipline has their own education branch off. So math ed, phys yeah. ed, physical science, uh, physics education. And yes, a lot of the fields are a lot further on than chemistry education was at the time. And it okay. just made a little more sense to me um, to do that at that point in time, because it was more the learning theory of um, you had which frameworks you which lenses you were looking through to conduct your study and they just seemed tighter at the time but I think that yeah. chemistry education has definitely come a long way and is now more interdisciplinary a lot like learning sciences um, and using frameworks in that way so I, I think if I were to make the choice today it would probably have felt a little different I don't know um, yeah because other programs are starting to look more um, interdisciplinary but at the time yeah. it was I noticed that students were understanding things in one way, but not in another. And it made no sense. Yeah. You know how like you'll, <laughs> there'll be a kid and it'll be like, how are you not getting this? Like, what is it? You've got this, you've got this, but you're missing this line. And I'm trying everything yeah. I can to help you see that. 
Um, and like with concentration, that is what I actually, funnily enough, that is what my <laughs> my dissertation ended up being on. And yeah. that's how I got an education. I never made that connection until the second. <laughs> um, but I looked at how students can do proportional reasoning in silly math problems, you know, with like, I have yeah. 12 books and you have 30 and, you know, like things like that. And it's, yeah. I looked at how they set up the problems and I saw that they were setting up the problems differently in chemistry because of the way we talk about it. And they were getting really yeah. hung up on the letter M for capital M. And I know that this is a U.S. specific thing because other countries say <laughs> moles per liter and we do not. And because <laughs> of that, kids interpret that as moles. And from then on, they are misapplying this piece of information. And I oh. wouldn't have known that had I not done these interviews and had I had um, one of those smart pens that records what they do as they're saying yeah. it. And so I was able to those were some crazy transcripts because I had annotations <laughs> of everything they were doing, like draws X, like, <laughs> like very specific <laughs> details. Um, and so that was really cool. And to be able to kind of pick that apart to make yes. things better. Um, that just Absolutely. really, I mean, I was drawn to that. Yeah. being a, That's so cool. Cause yeah, you can literally see, their thought processes as they're physically doing the thing. That is very, very interesting. And then with my postdoc, I had the opportunity to do both some research and development. So we had a curriculum, yeah. the Connected Chemistry curriculum uh, by the Stife Group. And it's when it first started, we worked with students to help build it so that we would come up with um here's what we want our visualization to look like and i would interview these four students and they would help me build it and they would say no that doesn't make any sense to me you might want to try <laughs> this um and so we did it together with participatory design we built it with students yeah. and teachers and it was amazing because of the buy-in was so much better because it was something that students and teachers would use because it was built yes. by them. Um, and so that was so cool to see that. And then I would go interview students after they did the lessons and see kind of what understandings they had. Like, you know, like questions like, we're boiling water. Can you draw a picture of what happens after it boiled? And then I can tell whether they think it was a chemical change or a physical change based on the atoms yeah. they drew. Um, and then I would go back and we would have a meeting at the end of every unit and I would give my recommendations. I would say, this is what I saw in the classroom because I observed all the classes. This is what I got out of the interviews and here's some suggestions. And, and then we would design, we would redesign. And it was so, it was such a cool project to be able to do it that way and just yeah. move along in such a formative way. Um that I just, I always take that with me and lots of stuff I do is um, like if I write an assessment question, one of those options will help you understand what your student is missing. It's not just a gotcha. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very cool. And because you're able to do this, you know, live as the course is progressing and being able to make the adjustments as you go to be able to, you know, augment and just finesse the program as it comes to completion, that's very, very cool. And so, yeah, I can imagine how gratifying <clears throat> it is to be able to just see that progression. Definitely. Yeah. And to watch it go yeah. from what it started to where it ended is just like, it's so, I mean, it's still actually going on. So I, I, I'm not even yeah. on it anymore. And to see where it is, <laughs> I'll, um, I use it as a resource a lot and I'll, I'll just smile when I give it to other teachers because it's a free resource and it's like look at this amazing yeah. thing that's online and I had like a I had a, a hand in it and maybe this was so long ago and my hand might not even be part of it anymore yeah. but like it was there <laughs> that is very very cool but yeah just seeing it continue and grow after you've you know passed it on that's amazing yeah so yeah just so much you know opportunity to be able to you know learn about people and the way they learn stuff so what, when you were doing this, I mean, obviously you have picked up other stuff as you've been developing other programs, but what did you learn or what was most interesting to you about the different ways that people learned chemistry? 
One of the interesting things is the different ways people teach chemistry. So you have the different oh. ways that all the people were brought up in teaching chemistry. So um, I yeah. think we're starting to get more in the phenomena-based um, way of looking at it now, of where here's, a, here's something. Can you explain why this is happening using chemistry? Yeah. Um, where like when I went through school, it was memorize the periodic table and yes. you got your points that way. Um, and so it's very different. And you, when I was going through, there were definitely shifts. You could see that starting to happen. Like there were teachers who did yeah. one way, teachers who might've done the other, but what was just really cool was seeing how students who could draw a concept and you made sure they understood how to draw motion and things like that, of like really identifying the pieces of a drawing that were important or um, whether doing one unit versus five units and things like that, just looking at it of like how much exposure to different things was necessary. And it was just, it was always really fascinating because we were in all sorts of different schools with different kids and it was just, I yeah. loved seeing it in action, especially when you'd get those moments where it would click. And you'd see a kid, yeah. like, whoa, look at that. And it's like, oh, that that's really cool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like being able to see the engagement and the, you know, the light bulb moments where they just go, oh, that's what's happening. I understand. And yeah, that's very, very cool to see. Yeah. And there are a few, like the example of boiling water that yeah. you need to see see the molecular level of it to understand it because when you boil water and it disappears you what are you going to use to back up what you're doing you know um and so yeah. if with the molecular way of showing it we in in the chemistry curriculum there was a uh, simulation with hydrogen peroxide getting heated and one with water being mm -hmm. heated and the listening to the kids talk about those two things solidified chemical physical change for them and I love that example it's my favorite I go back to it all the time <laughs> okay so tell me that example like how does that work yeah so hydrogen peroxide when it's heated decomposes mm -hmm. into oxygen gas and hydrogen gas and so that is an yeah. example of the chemical change and it is something new has happened um, but with the water when you heat it up those water molecules are all still there and they're still water molecules. It is just now a gas. Um, and so that shows the kids that when it disappeared, you can't see it, but it's still water. Yeah. It has not changed into something else. And it was um, because they look so similar. And that's another case of the students not, they're learning about atoms and how H2O2 is different than H2O. Um, and so like yeah. even getting at that. So it was just on so many different levels to see that happening. And that one of my other favorite parts, I just love that simulation. Um, the, one of the other things I liked about it was that it's the probability of atoms hitting each other. So when I was going yeah. through chemistry, I thought that this plus this equals that. So they're going to hit each other and it happens. <laughs> but that's not yeah. at all. It has to happen with enough energy and it has to happen at the right angle. And like there's a lot of stuff to it. So it actually built that probability in. And sometimes you would see the same molecule break into something else in a different simulation, you know. So it might go back yeah. and forth with equilibrium and, and like that. So the visual component, I think, helped a lot of kids. Um, Absolutely. Lab helps, obviously, for some. Um, yes. But for some, it might just reestablish some misconception they have if you're not also looking yeah. at the molecular level. So that was just so cool to watch. <laughs> It is. Yeah, definitely. Like there's so many things that they just expect you to learn by rote. And it's like, this is just what happens because that's how it is. It's like, yeah, but you know, you, you need a little bit more sometimes to be able to fully comprehend you know, the subtle differences between what you're doing and what you're observing. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise you're just memorizing it and then you can't apply it. Yeah. And you can't explain it because if you're memorizing it, you're not necessarily understanding what you're memorizing. Yeah. And like, if you apply it, so even if you're just thinking of like, um, global warming and water is evaporating from a lot of rivers and a lot of areas are very dry. A student who has memorized this might think that there's a chemical reaction happening 
<laughs> there's extra hydrogen <laughs> and oxygen gas, you know, without seeing that. Yeah. And so being able to explain it can actually go into other other areas for them later. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, because they can explain it and understand the process, they can take, you know, the next step to what other kind of conclusions or what kind of um, you know, hypotheses they can make from what they already understand. Yeah, it's very, very cool. With, because uh, you, you did learning scientists as part of your PhD program. So what do they cover in learning sciences? Because I can, I can see that they'll probably touch on psychology, the way cognitive behavior or cognitive learning kind of applies to education but you know what sort of other things do they kind of get you to learn and understand in order to be able to you know become a learning scientist yeah we had some specific research courses so qualitative and quantitative research um and then we had a lot of psychology. I had a lot of psychology classes at times I had so many courses with the PhDs in in psychology that I almost felt like we were in the same program, but we weren't. <laughs> um, but wow. they were, they were, we were able to take those courses because we didn't have our own established yet. So it was, these will fit for this. Um, so yeah, I took a lot of coursework on um, data analysis, how to do, a, how to just, how to design studies that are qualitative Um how to code that data and triangulate it yeah. and build theory. Um, we had a frameworks course where we learned about theoretical frameworks and a lot of different popular ones that are out there. And then you had to have your own coursework in your own science um, or uh, background. Sorry, not everybody with science. Uh, a lot of people yeah. in other fields. Um, my my cohort, we were all science. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I already had my master's in chemistry, though. So that already kind of knocked out some of my coursework on that. Um, and yeah. I'm trying to think. We took something that was took some sociology and education coursework oh. like kind of put together a little bit as well um that's cool yeah truly was, multidisciplinary <laughs> oh it was very multidisciplinary and i yeah it was kind of it felt like a step before what is going on now where it's a uh, deeper um oh my gosh we have to stop and not actually have that i forgot what deeper stood for <laughs> just a second <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm getting you to touch on some old content. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it felt like we were kind of the step before what's going on now, Deber, which is discipline-based education research, and it's where people are interdisciplinary. And that was just uh, yeah. our program was naturally interdisciplinary. I mean, my yes. dissertation, I had a computer scientist, I had a psychologist, I had a math ed and a chemist as my committee. Wow. Um, and so like, That's it really cool. was, you had these, you had these big voices from these fields, like really coming in and giving you this advice. And it was great. Um, it was also a little overwhelming at times because you felt like you had <laughs> to kind of get a PhD in all of them. Uh, but that oh, wasn't wow. the point. It was these trainings, yeah, yeah. like kind of, giving you your framework and moving forward. But there were a few times where you're like, oh my gosh, do I, need, I need to know all the stuff that these people know. And it's <laughs> like, well, no, they're good resources. And that's yeah. something that as an academic we do is you you collaborate with others that have these exactly. expertises that you may not. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, know, you get to see, like, because they all have experiences in the different ways that they have to apply the way that they teach and the way that they convey their content and, you know, all of that fall together. Just, yeah, that's very, very cool. Ah, oh, awesome. Okay, cool. So now that, you know, you've, you apply your learning sciences to designing programs for a bunch of different educational and, you know, other materials. Um, so you've mentioned that it involves a lot of qualitative work and, you know, what sort of other things does that kind of work entail? Um, to develop the products, it entails yeah. doing a lot of research. 
So one of the things I always point out to the parents that I work with, that not knowing an answer is totally fine. I look up stuff all the time. Google is my friend. I I am always on research (laughs) gate looking for papers and new contexts. Um, So I'm always trying to find a new way to teach something. So finding Mm -hmm. um, a phenomenon that could be explained using something that we teach high schoolers. I just want it to be authentic um, and not me trying to be hip and cool and trying to make it sound neat to them. But like, this is an actual (laughs) thing. What do you think's happening? You know, and whether it's super interesting or not, that is up to each kid. But I think that it's yes, the fact that it's a real thing and that you don't know the answer and you have to figure some stuff out to get to it. I think that that's that's really fun. Um, so I love coming yes. up with new ideas. And whenever there's a new item format that comes out, like a, uh, I can't say some of them because they're proprietary yep. and things. But whenever <laughs> there's a new item format that comes out at a company, I love coming up with the coolest way to use it. Um, always going That's back amazing. and forth with the developers. Like, hey, could I use it in this way? Because I think that would be really cool, you know. Um, and so it's... It's a lot of fun. So depending on what I'm working on, sometimes it involves like actually adding scoring logic or coding some things to make the items work. Sometimes it's just writing. Sometimes I edit. Um, And then the other part of my life is the Instagram and TikTok side and going on TV and doing experiments and stuff like that. So that is a different um a different part of my day. So I'm often yeah. doing live events with kids and parents. So I'm also doing experiments a lot. <laughs> that is very, very cool being able to balance both of those, like the, just the theory plus the practical application. That's amazing. <laughs> I'll let you know when I figure out how to do that. <laughs> right now it's not really <laughs> very balanced. Um, during the pandemic, oh, yeah. We had the lockdown, you know, like to yeah. make sure that we would try to try to slow it, but it, it it lasted a long time. So we were home for 15 months before my son went back to yeah. school. And so during that whole time, it was me and him. And I just kind of documented everything we did so that it was, yeah. you know, other parents who aren't educators or scientists might get something out of it. And some of it was yeah. to keep me going. Uh, because I felt like I also had like this other purpose that I was going <laughs> to get through this. And um, absolutely, it just kind of took off. And now that things are ba- getting a little more back to normal, I have to figure that out. Like, because I am starting to work yeah, more. And to... it's like, which part of my day is which, you know, like I need to figure out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And social media is a time sink. <laughs> It is, especially learning all of the different ones. So, like, I spent a year yes. getting Instagram down. Um, and so I feel like yep. I got that down. <laughs> I got over 10,000 followers on it. And, like, it, it nice. works. I've got it. I know what works. I know what doesn't. <laughs> and then TikTok. And I'm like, I have no idea. So I put up a video <laughs> that I had done on Instagram. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this on TikTok. And it went viral. My first one. And then nothing. Oh, very. And I'm like, I have no oh, idea no. how it works. <laughs> so now that's my thing. I'm like, I don't understand Pinterest in the terms of homeschool. Um, I don't understand TikTok yet. So these are things that like I'm focusing good chunks of my day on, which seem oh a gosh, little, like outside of what I would normally be doing. <laughs> but it's also fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is. And yeah, and, and that's the hard part. I mean, um, even with some of the promo stuff that I have to do for the show, it's like none of it gets a lot of traction because I don't know how to create that level of engagement for, you know, the kind of you know audience I have, which is also a bit broad, which makes it even harder. <laughs> but just trying to figure out like those little details about how each platform works slightly differently is just, oh my gosh, I just need to dedicate whole days to this. <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that... It always drives me nuts as an educator to hear people say, you know, like, well, when I retire, I'll go be a teacher. And it's like, no, that you have to go get training. That's not how it works. It's so offensive (laughs) to say. Like, how do you not see that? But then here, if you just listen to what we both just said, (laughs) 
and Instagram and all these platforms and it's like well no not really I have to put the the time and so like I feel like you need yes. about a year to dedicate to each platform like a lot of time to figure out I know or you consult an expert <laughs> which expert. I've started yeah, to do like... for Pinterest oh, I was amazing. like I have absolutely no idea what to do I'm gonna get some help on this <laughs> I know and, and that's just one of the things, like, especially because at the moment, this thing makes no money, like, absolutely. Like, this is completely, you know, my hobby funds getting thrown into it. It's like, <laughs> I need to be able to throw money at someone to do this stuff because I can't figure it out. I haven't got the time to figure it out. And someone else is going to be able to do it better than I can. And it's like, I need to be able to find the time and the money to throw money at someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the things that we do, hey. <laughs> right? Um, Yes. Oh, gosh. But yeah. So yeah, all these side hustles of yours. Um, you mentioned that you were documenting all the stuff that you're doing with your son. And is that what motivated you to write the book? I actually wrote the book before that. Um, <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. So the book started all of this. Um, so it's kind of like a oh. chicken or the egg. Um, so yeah. I I guess I'll start with where the book started. Um, so the book started, exactly. my son was a baby and he was playing and I was doing some work on the side. I was just, you know, mm -hmm. like he's over in his area and I'm doing my thing. And I looked over and he had a pile of orange toys. And I was like, what? doing because um, they're so weird what are you doing and um, then I, I thought to myself wait a second he's he's not even a year old and he's able to sort things by color that is interesting yeah. and I was like a lot of science in the beginning is pretty categorical is this is this an atom or is this a molecule is this a pure substance or is this a mixture and you go through yeah. it um, and it's like hmm I wonder how many of these things are like that. So I started to like just map it out in a PowerPoint slide, oddly enough, because I didn't have the pictures <laughs> in my head yet. I just had the idea. Yeah. Um, so I mapped yep. these out and I thought, which of these is not like the other is a fun game the kids play. And why not use science in those? And we could use their real toys. And so I did market research of looking at every book that's out there in the, in the field. And I felt like it was pretty... It was a it was a niche market where it was like for nerds babies. <laughs> um, so it was if you're a scientist or a doctor, these books are for your kids. And I remember thinking, yep. well, I want this to be for everybody. So Everyone. let's yeah. play a game instead. Um, and so I worked on that, and I got it. I had a Kickstarter, um, got it off the ground. I actually had quite a bit of support from some Australians. Um, it was one of my <laughs> That cool. and the UK were up there in my supporter lists. <laughs> um, <and> so <laughs> nice. We got the book together, got it out, um, and then the pandemic hit. And so my publicist oh. team at the time when the book was launched, they were like, I don't, we need to think of a strategy to launch your book, yeah. you know, like, because you can't go anywhere. You're locked down. Exactly. Um, and so they came No up, book tour. Like, right. Yeah. There was none. And so the publicist came up with the idea that, well, why don't we get you on Instagram and just like really work on that account? And so all those yeah. hours that they would have spent sending out to like book me for things, we've. I, yeah. We had a social media manager who kind of got it going and I would do some experiments with my son and like just the regular stuff we were doing in the first two months before we even knew this was going to last longer. And a lot of those mm -hmm. were just kind of fun, um, you know, like us out in the boat or us playing in the yard or just things that we were doing. Um, yeah. Just to show who I am as an author. And it, mm. she asked me to send her things. And one day she asked me to send some experiments. And I was like, cool, let's do some experiments, Charlie. Um, and so we videotaped us doing experiments and they started to take off um, where parents were like, I love this. And other parents would start yeah. to do it and tag us in it and say, this is how I did it. And it's like it started to get really cool. 
And that kind of just took a life of its own. Some people would buy That's the amazing. book. amazing. Some people wouldn't. And, you know, it, it kind of got past the book. Um, at first, the yeah. whole account was about the book. And it used to have things yeah. paired with the book so that people would, you know, go buy the book. Um, but it yeah. ended up being more just like, hey, we're all in this together. <laughs> we're in a global yeah. pandemic. and you know what? I just spent hours looking for these resources and I would love to share them with you. And if you like them too, cool. If not, skip it. You know, like that's, I just yeah. wanted to offer things that people could do in their house for free or easily, or if yes. it's a resource, because I know a lot of parents don't feel comfortable in science and they might mm. buy a science kit, but they, they can't gear, they can't gauge the quality of whether or not this yes. is actually teaching them something, whether it's just flashy or just things gimmicky. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then not all kids yeah. are created equal. And there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of junk out there that people label STEM there is. and it's not necessarily <laughs> STEM. Um, and so I found myself kind of acting as that role um, on the social media accounts of being able to like, Hey, yeah. parents, you can do this. Um, but in that process, I was on a podcast um, with, uh, it was for a nanny podcast. And the mm -hmm. nanny said something to me that really shook me and in a good way, um, where I was like, <laughs> I'm going to change my life <laughs> like of how I'm doing this. <laughs> um, she said, that's so cool. How did you think to ask that question after they did the experiment? Yeah. Um, it was just baking soda and vinegar. And my question was, what do you think is inside the bubbles? And she was like, I never would have thought to ask that question to the kids. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like in the back of my head, I always have the next question and I know what's coming next. And I'm like, but that's because that's my job. Like, that's the only yeah. reason that I think this way. And I was assuming that here, this is plug and play. And it wasn't. It was here's no. an activity. And that's, that's it. So now yeah, I, it's, it's for other people. It's a closed activity. Like they do it, it did things and that's done. Right. And, and it you know, a lot of people don't know further. where to take it from there. Exactly. Yeah. And so now I include questions I would ask. I'll say, now I might ask Charlie this. And if he asked me this, I would do it this way. And then the other thing that got pointed out to me, um, which I was, this, this hurt my soul and I had to change a few things too. Um, <laughs> So um, I had a friend from college reach out and she was like, please tell me that you do, you put your kid in front of the TV sometime and just sit and drink coffee and you're not just doing educational stuff all the time because I'm feeling like a bad mom right now. And I was like, oh, that's the oh, least no. thing I ever would want to do is make someone feel like they weren't. Yeah. I just wanted to empower people. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to start being even more honest on here. And I am going to start yeah. showing you guys when I mess up. Um, and so I actually show like, hey, this was my 13th try to get this, you know, like like, it's okay if you didn't get it. Or, like, we did a rocket. It's not a one-shot. <laughs> exactly. We made a baking soda and vinegar rocket, and I accidentally tipped it over, and we have a circle of grass that doesn't grow still. Um, and so these are things I like to point out now because parents, um, I don't want them to feel like they're not confident. I want them to feel yeah. like they can do this. This is – and it switched from teaching kids – to teaching parents. Um, and so that's kind yes. of the, the difference there. And it's kind of not just even teaching, it's giving them confidence. It's boosting their morale Yeah, that, Hey, you lived a life. Absolutely. You know more than your four-year-old, even if you don't earn a <laughs> you know, that a solid liquid and a gas, you know what these things are and they don't like, um, and yeah. if that is all you do with them, that is more than they were getting. Um, and it's going to help them understand the world around them. And it's just such yeah. a, I don't want to say it's an easy way because it's not easy to make that switch of looking yeah. at the world that way, but it's not really adding anything on. So it's not like, oh, mm. here, you need to take an extra 30 minutes of your day for your busy parent that you don't have time. It's just tweaking some of the things you already mm. do to be it that way so like we make yogurt parfaits and i was like hmm, these look like 
patterns. I could do patterns with this. And so we label yeah. the layers like granola is A, bananas are B, and then you make the pattern and we have to do it. And like that was STEM, but it was also snack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edible STEM. Excellent. Just what everybody wants. <laughs> yeah. And and that's the thing I think a lot of people forget because you see all the Instagram and the screen, like all the social media, it's people picking the best bits that they're actually wanting to share to put up. And, you know, it's, you're not seeing 24 seven of their day. You're seeing this tiny fraction that they've curated for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, especially when it comes to, you know, having to teach your kids and show your kids stuff. And I guess for the people who have to homeschool, like, who have no experience with teaching. It's like, I don't know this. Like I'm so far removed from having learned this myself, you know, decades on. It's like, I don't even remember what I did in chemistry or I wasn't good at chemistry and trying to figure out how they can convey that information without conveying that they don't know. And, you know, yeah, it's definitely a confidence thing because you don't want to screw up and you don't want to teach them incorrectly, but you still want them to be engaged and interested. And, yeah, it's resources like the stuff that you put up that, you know, help with that because they can see that it's accessible. They can see that they don't need a degree to do this stuff. They can see that it's not expensive to be able to incorporate these activities. And, you know, that's what's really important, especially when we are forced to have to kind of do all these things in a very contained way or if you don't have the resources to do it in any other way. It's very, very cool. There are a lot of resources <laughs> out there that step you through with just pictures um, of how to do something. And I purposefully yeah. go the, um, the video route, unless we're in our pajamas or yeah. something. And then I just do pictures. <laughs> but, um, it's the video, even if I did a time-lapse of where you saw me doing it over 30 minutes, you still saw me doing yeah. it. And it yeah. removes that magic component of where, like, I know on TikTok that's something. I actually get comments a lot. Like, is this real or did you fake this? And it's like, you saw me do it. How did I fake it? Like, you saw my yeah. hands. I was doing this. <laughs> um, but that removes most of that feel of where it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, how did they get to that? You know, where this is like, you see my son and I doing it. You see his interest level, yeah. which is sometimes him running around the table and I'm doing a lot of it. And sometimes he's really into it. Um, but I've, yeah. I've found that part to be pretty important um, to be able to show that. Yeah, because often like you'll see the instructions and it's the whole um, nailed it, right? Like, except you didn't. So you follow the instructions like that didn't do anything like what it was supposed to. <laughs> and I don't know if I did it yeah, right. And I and, think that... yeah, seeing someone else do it is great. Oh, totally. And so during yeah. this last year, um, since I was doing pre-K, pre-K was not my forte. Um, I do K-12 <laughs> um, and more on the, yeah. the middle to upper end of that. And so... I remember talking to my son's preschool teacher, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, am I doing enough for him? And she was like, you're doing more than we do at school. Like, you know, she's like, if you look at all the things you do, if you break them down into the simple concepts he's learning, she's like, they're all really great things. He's learning how to cook. He's learning how to pour water. He's learning how to plant a garden and the life cycle of a garden and stuff like that. And she reminded me of that. And yeah. I thought to myself, like, okay, I need to be tackling those skills. But then I also started to kind of think of the things he might be missing from pre-K um, and that we had no idea when he was going back. Um, so I didn't want yeah. him to forever miss out on, like, pretend play because I don't like pretend yeah. play. I find it ridiculous <laughs> at times and I hate pretending. <laughs> it's my least favorite thing to do. Um, and so <laughs> I got the costumes for all the different community worker jobs so he could pretend and we would do themed weeks and it just ended up working yep. out so well to do these themes like that. Um, and then we mm. got to meet experts. It was so fun. Like I got to interview an astronaut um, and the Ooh. kids asked some questions and it was just, it was, there's so much that came out of it that made it to where I think we all got something out of it and it was because yeah. we needed it. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's great. Like just being able to, you know, figure out ways to incorporate it, especially because you, know, you don't always have the same interests that your child has. And 
you know, it's it's sometimes hard to engage in a way that they need to be engaged and being able to find the ways to make that work for you. Like, especially with the role play, it's like, well, he can role play and, you know, I'll help facilitate that role play, but I don't have to exactly do it in the exact way that, you know, I don't feel comfortable doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I, it was just a really interesting year and a half. That's, <laughs> I if I look back at it I'm still processing it <laughs> so I mean my basement looks I think like everyone a, is <laughs> my basement looks like a preschool um we have all sorts of learning <laughs> stuff um and then it's I really liked doing all of it and so <laughs> it's really fun yeah. and I, I've been collaborating with all sorts of brands and people and I've just it's been really cool like I have a friend I grew up with He's a farmer. And I asked him if he could do farmer videos. And he went out while he was planting and explained how his combine worked, but very, very well. Like, nice. so that four-year-olds could get it. And it was That's so cool because cool he taught them about road safety, too. That if you are on the oh, road awesome. and you see farm equipment, you let your parents know they need to slow down. And this is why. <laughs> Like, it was just, it was so neat to have that. And it was this connection. It was funny. I've known this kid my whole life, like my entire yeah. life. And I didn't know that much about farming. I'd never asked. <laughs> so like, it was really cool to learn yeah. all this stuff too. So it's, Absolutely. Been, it's been a really fun journey that I, I'm really interested to see where this goes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's, there's, just, there's still so much potential for all the stuff that can be done, and it's very cool. And, yeah, again, it comes back to what you were saying, that, you know, you don't need to have all these degrees to be able to, you know, teach people these things. And the stuff that you know is stuff that other people don't know. It's like your friend who does the farming stuff, and that you, you do your chemistry. And everybody is able to, you know, share their own experiences with their kids. And it doesn't have to, like, just because you don't have the other experiences, it doesn't mean that they're lacking for it. Yeah. And with the way yeah. the world is, the globalization of things. So like I can talk yeah. to you and you're in Australia. We could, yeah. we could literally do the same experiment in two different places at the same time and talk about it. Like there's yeah. just a lot of things Absolutely. like that, that. I always say it doesn't hurt to ask. You have a question, yeah. tweet a paleontologist. Like they might answer yes. you, you know, you just don't know. <laughs> exactly. Like this just... Everyone's out there and everyone wants to share something and they want to share something that they're interested in. It's very cool. That is something that I have found is that every adult who is working loves to talk to kids about what they do. Um, and so it yes. is not hard to find experts to say that. <laughs> Most of the time, it's just whether or not their companies allow it. <laughs> yes, that's usually the one. <laughs> yeah, like uh, even with this, like for grownups, um, I had reservations about starting this podcast because I thought nobody would want to talk to me about what they do. They would want to tell me a complete stranger about, you know, what it is that they do for a living and why they're doing it. And I originally set this podcast to be like, you know, 15 minute thing, short thing. And people were talking to me for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Like, Oh, they like talking. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's interesting because I actually had never really listened to podcasts until I started going yeah. on them to talk about the book. And yeah. now I really like them. They're really cool to like get little snippets of people's lives. And you almost feel like you know someone after you listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it allows you to connect a bit better going, well, other people like are thinking the way that I think about things too, or that's a different perspective or, you know, they're also not as organized as I am. Like, I'm sorry, we're equally disorganized. And, <laughs> you know, it's nice to be able to have that. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, one question I did have that was completely unrelated when you were talking about um, teaching the upper end of the K-12. Because I know I was terrible at chemistry in high school. Um, my big issue was the maths. Um and I know, you know, as part of the stuff, you do teach the maths as well. So how how do you teach the maths to kids in a subject where, you know, it's different now again. You said that it's all about phenomenon learning. But how do you teach the maths, which does feel a bit more rote when you're trying to learn how to do chemistry calculations and get them to kind of connect and engage with that aspect of chem? 
I'm going to say an unpopular opinion. Um, <laughs> does everybody really need the math in the chemistry? <laughs> it's something that I think that, yes, a chemistry major is going to need, but is everybody going to be a chemistry major? No. Um, and if we just want people to be able to explain the world around them, there are just, you could talk in increase, decrease, or gets faster, gets slower without actually talking about the math behind it. Um, yeah. I I think drawing parallels when you do teach the math is important. So, um, for yeah. example, like teaching concentration, um, you could talk about it in terms of paint color, um, how you might need to add more paint to a bigger thing to get the same color. Yeah but it's still the same ratio of the two colors together to get there. Yeah. Um, and then you would use a colored solution so that something had copper nitrate maybe um, so that you could see that yeah. color change, um, the intensity change with the different concentrations. Um, and then you would go to clearing colorless and then get into the math. Um, so like yeah. there's steps to take, um, but we can't just assume that, oh, they know math. They know how to, they know how to, <laughs> M1V1 equals M2V2. Like, I still have that, like, in my head. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, to step that back. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, um, it's so much better for the students to be able to say that I know that the molecules will move faster and they will then, you know, like to be able to talk about it in that way instead of just, yeah. oh, the pressure will increase to this. And it's like, but why? Like, why is it happening? Yeah. And if you can't say why, what's the point? Um, and so yeah. that's my unpopular opinion that the vast majority of people <laughs> don't need to know the math um, in chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not unless you get to like the university level and, you know, when you're having to, you know, do all these you know, things for specific purposes. Yeah, like if you are, if you're going to be a nurse, if you are going to do research in chemistry, like these are all things you do need to do this. But the general yeah. like K-12, I just think the concept is more important of like understanding what's going on. So yeah, super unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Very unpopular. Uh, I'm pretty sure the students don't think that's unpopular. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, because yeah, I didn't do physics, but at least with physics and the formulas, like you, you kind of get that because you can demonstrate it. You can kind of give you know literal examples of this is what's happening when this occurs, and you can apply the math to the actual reactions. But with chemistry, it seemed a little bit more abstract, and that was the issue that I had. That I sort of understood what's going on, but when I did the math, it's like the math I'm not very good at. And I'm not quite sure how this is helping to convey what is happening in a chemical way to be able to you know, apply that learning. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the problem <laughs> with chemistry versus physics is that in physics, you can see it. Um, you can demonstrate yes. most of the physics concepts with larger things to show it. Um, but exactly. in chemistry, it's all so small, you can't see it. Um, yeah. So that's where those visualizations really come in. And they've come a long way in the last 10 years, for sure. Absolutely. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, because that yeah, that's solid chemistry for me. I enjoyed the experience. I love pop tests. My goodness, they were fun. And our teacher um, sacrificed a shirt for us because um, he did the sodium and water thing. So he destroyed oh a shirt by accident. Yeah. <laughs> It was just a little bit of splash damage, but, you know, he had all the protective gear and all that, but still a little bit got in a shirt and he got a hole in it. It's like, thank, thank you for sacrificing your shirt to show us this very, very cool experiment. <laughs> ah, good times. Okay, uh, so we can probably move on to some of those other soft questions. Um, so what hobby interest do you have that is most unrelated to your field of work? Um, I would say as a parent of a four, almost five-year-old in a global <laughs> pandemic, I don't really have any hobbies right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, um, I used to read. Um, and then during the, pand in, during the pandemic, that was one of the things that just became more difficult to do. Um, it was one of those, uh, you know, that triangle of safety um, of your needs, the hierarchy of needs. Yep. It's like, I couldn't read because I didn't feel safe. <laughs> um, I was, oh, it was something gosh. I couldn't get to. Um, so I'm yeah. starting to do that again. Um, 
reading. I definitely like watching television and movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Right now, any extra time I have ends up going to spending time with my my son and my husband. So at the moment, I don't have any hobbies. I'm super boring. (laughs) In the before times, I love to travel. (laughs) Yes, in the before times. (laughs) Everything is carefully delineated like that now. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff, so... What yeah, the other thing is like <laughs> like we were saying, I'm trying to figure out different platforms. So in my free time, I'm scrolling yeah. TikTok, which I'm like coming up with ideas, but it also looks like I'm wasting like large amounts of time, <laughs> which I probably am. But <laughs> it's a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna call it that to make myself feel better. <laughs> it's research. It's all research. <laughs> And which childhood book holds the strongest memory for you? Um, I, this is funny. I was just talking about this the other day with my mom. Um, so one of the books was, um, you have Sesame Street, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was just in the U.S. or not. Um, so there's yeah. a book for Grover and it's called The Monster at the End of This Book. And every page, Grover is like, oh, no, don't turn the page. There's a monster at the end. And he forgets he's a monster. And at the end, he's like, oh, silly Grover, it was me. Um, And I just always really liked that one because my mom, the way she read it, was just so emotionally charged and like she was a bad <laughs> she just like really did it um and so it was something that I was so excited to share with my son and do you know what my yep. mom did my mom what? read it to him before I got to <gasps> and now he only wants oh, no. her to read it and I was like no oh, no it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all about the delivery <laughs> right there was one book too that I have been really racking my brain and like checking on the internet and asking the hive mind what this title of this book was. But it was a book yeah. about kites where there was an assignment where every child was given a blank kite and they were to go home and design it and bring it back for show and tell and talk about why they chose what they did. And there was a child yeah. who had a really hard time getting his imagination onto paper. And so every page was like this beautiful story that he had going in his head, but then nothing on the on the actual kite. kite and at the yeah. end, he brought his blank kite to school and like told all of his classmates all of his rich stories. And the teacher oh, was kind of like... I really liked it because I like I'm in my head a lot. And so that was really yeah. something that really clicked with me as a kid but then I also didn't understand how you could go to school and turn something in that wasn't done <laughs> and so that, <laughs> that, that always connected with me but I loved that book and we cannot figure it out like I have asked a bunch of people wow. online about it and people remember the book but none of us can remember but the they title. can't remember the title yeah wow I I've That's even looked crazy. on like kite enthusiast websites of you know like books if you love <gasps> kites and it's like we can't find yeah. it. <laughs> but they all they all know it, they just can't figure out what it is. Yeah. So oh, I'm gonna have to like go nuts. through old boxes at home and see if I can find it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that like if you found it at a school library, you could see whether the library's got a record of it still, even if it's gone out of the You know, I collection. could try WorldCat and look on there for books about kites and see if that could work. I hadn't tried that. Six million yet. books later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my new hobby, finding the title of this book and then I'll show it to my son and it won't it won't resonate the same way. <laughs> That's okay, because at least it satisfied your curiosity. Yes. <laughs> It's a burning question I have that is really silly. <laughs> yeah, that would drive me insane. <laughs> yeah, it's um, oh, it's, gosh. it's been driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I had a book like that. Um, well, actually, it was a, it was a movie, and I remember seeing it when I was a kid, and I just couldn't for the life of me like remember. Like I remembered a title, I remember what the animation style looked like, but I couldn't remember what. Like it was called, and I kept looking it up, and everything that came close didn't look right. Like the art that kept coming up for it was wrong. It's like this is really unhelpful. 
I don't know. I, I need to figure out how I can get a copy of it to watch to make sure that it's what matches my head. <sighs> yeah, Did you ever I think figure it's meant it to be Flight of Dragons. No, I'm still figuring it out. So I need to get a copy of it. But I think it's Flight of Dragons. And yeah, I have a, remem- I have a memory of a, the beginning where a kid goes into a bookshop and he picks up Dickens. And it's like, well, Dickens has got nothing to do with Flights of Dragons. I don't remember anything Dickens wrote about that. And yeah, so now I need to f- find the movie to see whether I can find that scene because yeah. nobody can tell me whether they've heard this, this movie before. It's like, this is really unhelpful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny because it gets stuck in your head. <laughs> you're just like, always, yeah. anytime you have a down moment, you're like, what is the name of that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, is it real? Did I fabricate it? If I fabricate it, that's an amazing story. <laughs> I should write a book. <laughs> yeah, I should write a book. Oh, damn. It's already been done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And lastly, what advice would you give someone who'd like to do what you do or what advice should they ignore? Oh, that's a good one. Um, what advice should they ignore? <laughs> yeah. I would say the advice that really helped me is never say no to an opportunity. Um, just because you think it might not be what you want. Um, always look into it. So you see something catches your eye, check it out. And what does it hurt to apply? So like that fellowship that I got that really changed my trajectory. I thought, oh, I'll give this a try. Like how many people are applying for this, you know? And then it was like, Mm. I was a good fit. Um, so my gut feeling was right. And this was where I was meant to be. Um, and so I think that always just looking through that door, if an opportunity comes, just give it a shot. The worst it can be is just not your opportunity, you know, go, you, yeah. you need to go to something else. Um, and then things not to listen to is your inner self doubt <laughs> of like, um, <laughs> imposter syndrome. Do not listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it is one of those things, though, like you, you lose nothing by giving it a go. You know, like what's the worst that could happen? You put a little bit of time in your application, and they say no. But I was just talking to a friend lately, and it was about slightly different context, but saying yeah, you're entering a rejection economy, you know, you're going to get a lot of no's. And that's okay. And you don't know when you're going to get that yes. You just have to keep doing it, keep giving it a go, keep exploring those options and opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah is and every time you do something, you get a little better at it too. So one of the things that, um, in writing a book, there are lots of rejections. There are a lot of, yes. you get a lot of, oh, well, we like your book, but it doesn't fit our festival or things like that. And it's like, okay, so now I'm learning. I'm learning how this works. And for my next book that I write, I will be able to navigate this process a little easier next time because I'll know where to go. I'll know what to do. And so treating each thing as an opportunity. So like you have an interview on you're on TV and something doesn't go right. And it's like, okay, from now on, I will have a duplicate of every chemical right in front of me just in case. (laughs) Um, And then every time is better after that. And so it's just always using using everything that happens as an opportunity to better what you're doing, I think is a great piece of advice. And that's something that yeah, I don't think I learned until much later in life because I used to yeah. think failure was failure, not failure mm. was a stepping stone. Um, and that's definitely yes. something, maybe you just have to be a certain uh, maturity level to even understand that. And that's why adults know that, but <laughs> it took me yeah. a long time to definitely. get there. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, like, when you're growing up, there's a lot of shame attributed to failure or getting things wrong. And so you stop being brave enough to give things a try. And, you know, unless you do have that courage or, you know, the you know, gumption to give it a shot, even though you're going to tank it anyway, like, it, it's a hard one to get past. And then, you know, again, combined with the imposter syndrome, it, <laughs> it's almost debilitating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that this generation has it a little different because they're growing up yeah. with being wrong is okay. Let's ask Siri, you know, like it's, it's different, <laughs> it's a different mindset on being, um, being wrong. Um, and then the way we're teaching science, we're letting them be wrong because it'll fix itself yeah. in the end. 
So you let your kid have their mental model and then you provide them something that challenges that and give it contrasts it. Mm. So they have to tweak their model. Um, and then that helps them understand it so much better than you telling it to them. And it doesn't kill that drive that you were just talking about. Yeah. It doesn't make it, oh, I'm not good at this. I can't, you know, like I'm just going to stop yeah. raising my hand. Um, it makes it so it's like, oh, I have an idea just like all five-year-olds do, you know, like <laughs> you yeah. want that, that natural They're curiosity. They're fearless. Yeah. Yes. So I think that if we keep encouraging this in that group, I just, I, I'm really excited to see what this group looks like when they're in their 20s and professionals. I'm, I'm really curious to exactly. see what they do with this world. Absolutely. You know, you, you hope that it's, you know, this entire experience is giving them a lot more resilience for later on. <laughs> and empathy to others and like all sorts of yes. stuff. Yeah. It's just. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously I'm invested because I have a. <laughs> Uh, almost five-year-old that I want to see him do great things but I just outside of him yeah. even just like the way I'm seeing kids older than him um how they're approaching yeah. things it's just really exciting to see it is it's very very good to see yeah got a four-year-old as well and yeah definitely excited to see how you know she kind of tackles the world in her own unique way <laughs> cool Okay. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for speaking with me today. It has been absolutely amazing and fantastic learning about learning sciences because, yeah, it, it is an emerging sort of kind of area that people are exploring now in terms of education and just seeing the way that education is developing and progressing with all the stuff that we've got available to us. So it's been very cool to learn about that. Um, if people would like to learn more about what you do, where can they go? So my website is letslearnaboutscience.com. And I am on Instagram and TikTok with that same handle. Um, let's learn about yep. science. Awesome. Thank you. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you so much again. It's been absolutely wonderful speaking with you. And I hope you have an amazing day. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great learning about the learning sciences and the way that this field relates to the way that we both learn and teach, as well as Stephanie's book about making learning chemistry fun for children. To learn more about Stephanie and what we discussed in the show, or to connect with us, please visit the Steampard website at steampardshow.com. You can also find out more about Stephanie's work and her book, Let's Learn About Chemistry, on her website, letslearnaboutscience.com, and social media, the links for which will be in the show notes. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to hear more like it, subscribe to this podcast and share this with your geeky or geek-curious friends. You can also support Steampowered on Patreon and Ko-fi under Steampowered Show the links for which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.